Hey, hey, C12, how you doing? Thank you so much. Uh, so he's like, are you 29 being all like age conscious or whatever? And I was like, oh no, I'm 44 today and I earned every year. So I'm not one of those that's like, oh no, no, I'm younger. I mean, I worked hard for these. Okay. So I'm up here. Actually, Alex is speaking tonight. So let's, yes. Very excited about this, Alex. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> okay. So, but before he gets into the message, I want to talk to you a little bit about Alex. And I'm going to give you, yes. Uh, so what I'm going to say to you first, you're going to say, no. But then if you wait 30 seconds, you're going to go, oh, okay. So just hold your like, oh, crap. And let me get to the yay, all right? Um, Alex has been a resident here at 12 Stone and in C12 for how long has it been? Uh, since last June. Right, right. You have to think because it's know. like 12 stone years. One, it's like dog two, years. Three, yeah. Right. It feels like a long time. <laughs> they don't teach math in Canada. I know. Um, and, Ale <laughs> <laughs> and Alex is going to be transitioning out of the residency at 12 stone. So that means he'll be transitioning out of residency in C12. All right. So everybody, all right. Okay. But wait. <laughs> but wait. He's not leaving us. Um, he will be part of C12, He's, 12 Stone is his church and his family, and he'll be a volunteer among many of you and part of remaining part of our family. He's not moving away. Um, so I'm going to give him a minute to tell you why he's transitioning out, because it's actually early. Uh, normally it would be another like 10 months before you would transition out of the residency. So this is an early departure from it, and I wanted to let him tell you why. Yeah, so uh, obviously like... I may have had conversations with some of you guys about uh, just future calling. Like sometimes people ask, like, what do you want to do with your life? And I always get like a politician answer because I'm like, well, I want to do ministry. And uh, I really had like no idea what that looked like. And so that was a really delayed laugh. I like laugh. what you say, yeah. ministry. Yeah. What do you mean, ministry? Like, oh, go ahead. Uh, and so obviously that can mean a thousand different things. And so I've been really drawn to missions uh, I've had for a long time and about two and a half years ago. God put a burden uh, for specifically war zones uh, in the world, and uh, ever since I have been drawn to that, ever since God put that in me, I've had a burden uh, for war-torn areas, and uh, I want to be the light and the hope of Jesus uh, in uh, war-torn areas in those spots of the world, and uh, I, I just, I don't know, I love crazy, I love crisis. Um, I don't love that it happens. I just love being in it because I think uh, God has really uh, called me and uniquely gifted me uh, to be in those moments. And so pursuing, obviously, that's the Cliff Notes version. It's very dumbed down. And uh, two and a half years ago, God did that. And over the last several months and even a couple of years, it's been having conversations with people and even people here at 12 Stone, been having conversations with uh, people on staff here since March and, uh, and so obviously to be in a war-torn area, you need to have a specific, obviously, training. And so uh, obviously I can't just go there, not speak a language, and offer you nothing. <laughs> uh, I can't just pray and that's it. Like there has to be more than that. And so part of that is also pursuing uh, medical, uh, more the medical field aspect of it. And so 
Uh, I'm going to be staying in Gwinnett County and uh, actually getting hired on by Gwinnett Fire. And so uh, I'm going to be doing uh, firefighter, EMT, paramedic, and maybe firefighter too. I don't know what's all in the bundle. It's like this whole package ordeal, but it's super fun. And uh, obviously, I don't know what short term looks like. I don't know what the next couple of years look like. All I know is that somewhere down the road, that's what uh, I'm, I'm running after. That's what I'm chasing for. And so uh, literally that all prompted in a conversation that I had in the cafe. And I said, man, I would drop everything in residency to go do this. And then he was like, well, what are you doing? And uh, God laid two specific words on my heart two and a half years ago. And it was president and audacious. And uh, the guy sitting across from me in the cafe just said, dude, in order for you to lead an organization called audacious, you have to be more audacious than your organization. And, uh, and so I just, what does audacious mean? It means taking bold risks. It means being fearless. It means stepping out. And so uh, this has been one of those steps in, in taking a risk and in taking a bold step. So, Yes. And this is, um, this is really our hope and our prayer for all of us in here that when God calls, we just say yes. We just say yes. Yeah. And I think so often, and I'm, I think you'd probably agree, we often even know more about what the long term will look like than even the short term. Like, okay, that's where I'm going, Lord. It's what you've called me to do. But between here and there, like, how do I do that? And so um, I'm just super proud of you, my friend. I am just super, super proud to know you. We, and just um, C12, don't we just want to bless him and honor him for uh, the leadership that you have displayed as part of C12, for the relationships, for the investment, for the prayer. I mean, y'all, this, this man, like, prays for y'all. I mean, he prays for you. And he's had so many conversations. And I don't, I think, uh, I don't know that I've ever seen someone come in and be able to so relationally lead in the amount of time that you've done that in this ministry. It's really profound. And God has gifted you and talented you and called you. And um, I'm excited to see what he does with you and Mm. knowing that it will be, um, it can sound kind of romantic and all these big things, but you're talking about going into some really hard and dark places. Right. Real, real hard. So, um, wouldn't we, don't we just want to pray for him right now? Don't we just want to like cover him with our blessing and our prayer and our belief and just know you're going to keep seeing him. Um, he'll still be around every week, every week, every week. Uh, but, um, he'll be, he'll be moving into a different, um, calling really. Um, and a few of you, uh, a few of you that just want you to come down here and if you just know, oh, Alex, so you're close to him and you want to come up and um, just put your hands on him. And if you're in your seat, you could just extend a hand and let's just pray over our friend and brother and pastor um, and take him before the throne. Let's just, if you're comfortable with it, you can extend a hand um, and, and I'll pray. Heavenly Father, we just come to you and we thank you. We thank you, Jesus, that you still speak today. We thank you, Father, that you call um, us, that you call us into your kingdom work. It is still astounds me that you choose us to do just that. And Lord, we thank you for the calling you've placed upon Alex's life, Lord. And we bring him to you, Father, in gratitude for the impact that he's made on our lives. But Lord, we come to you also and pray that um, your Holy Spirit would fill him fresh and anew. Father, we know that he's aware of gifts and talents, but Lord, I pray you would awaken even, even new gifts and talents inside of him that allow 
him to um, pursue this new calling with a different kind of confidence and strength and presence. Lord, we pray that as he moves out of the church world and into the world work, Lord, that he would be a missionary even then, that it wouldn't start in the war-torn area, but it would start the very day that, that he steps into this new line of work and training, be over his mind, his body, and his soul. Jesus, that all of it in alignment with you. And we just bless him. Lord, we honor him. We thank you for him. And, and Lord, we commit to continuing to be cheerleaders and encouragers and prayer warriors on his behalf. And may you be glorified, Jesus. We know that years from now, we're going to be hear, hearing stories of the impact that he has made for the kingdom, not for his name to be known, Jesus, but for yours to be famous. And we give you all the glory for this in your name. Amen. All right. So I'm going to turn it over to him for the message tonight. But as he comes, can we just again bless him by our applause and our love? How you guys doing? Love you. Wow, I did not expect that. Uh, well, tonight's going to be fun, and um, obviously, as Heather talked about transition, she talked about uh, me stepping out into what's next and new, and so, uh, you know, obviously, I'll still be playing an active role here within C12, still pastorally meeting with guys, still be heavily involved in volunteer process, you'll see me hosting, you'll see me around, I'll literally be here every Thursday, and so uh, I'll get to walk in, in through life with you guys, and so it'll be really, really exciting, and it's just so funny, like ever since I've been having conversations since March about some of this stuff, uh, it just along with it came like a lot of stress and pressure due to like, okay, this is what's next to new. And oftentimes like when you figure out and you realize, okay, I, I can handle the stress and pressure of this season, but then like when the next and new comes, you're like, oh man, I don't know how to, I don't really know how to deal with this because there's like just new complexities that come with it. And so uh, tonight I get to uh, teach on a topic that's actually near and dear to my heart. Uh, it's actually about the stronghold of pressure, uh, stress and pressure. And we have been in our series on paper tigers and just talking about the things that uh, seem that, that they have power and they really don't. Uh, a paper tiger is something that it looks ferocious, but when you really get up to it, it's just paper. It has no power over you. And I would say uh, that, that the same is true for stress and pressure. That it's often like the, the thing that rises within you seems to have so much power over your life and it really doesn't. And so I hope that tonight is, is an encouragement to you. It's a challenge to, to you. And uh, whether you follow Jesus or not, whether uh, wherever you're out in this, in, in, you know, walking in your, in your, in your life, um, I just hope that tonight can just be a really big encouragement to you. And so uh, either big or small, there's just things that kind of rise up within us and just cause a little bit of stress. And so uh, actually a couple weeks ago, uh, I was actually out disc golfing at Little Mulberry Park with uh, my friend Tony up here. And uh, as we were at Little Mulberry, I actually lost my keys uh, in the disc golf course. And uh, like, it was really, really stressful because we got there at about 11 a.m. to noon-ish, and I did not leave Little Mulberry Park until 7.30 at night. I looked for my keys, and Tony helped me, for five hours, back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And the first hour was like, you know what? It's kind of fun. Like, let's make it adventure. Let's make it fun, you know? <laughs> this sucks, but let's make it fun. And the first hour, I was like, I'm confident. I probably left on the last hole, you know, hole 17, hole 16. It's somewhere in that range. And then the second hour came. And I was like, okay, this isn't as fun as I thought it was going to be. So let's be a little more persistent. Let's start backtracking my throws. Okay, where'd I throw here? Okay, let's track. Let's just go through every course. Third hour came. 
I'm like, I'm like, okay, reality's sitting in. Like, I don't, I don't know if this is gonna happen. Uh, at this point, Tony had to leave, and he wasn't with me anymore. And so I, like, I literally texted Trip, who's one of our leaders in C12. I was like, do you have a metal detector? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I need something. Like, I just can't find it. Hour four comes. I, like, I'm, at this point, I'm like mad. Like, I don't even care. Like, I just, like, I get so frustrated that, like, at this point. I'm still, I'm still at Little Mulberry just circling around, and I'm, like, looking in places that don't even make any sense. I'm, like, rolling over logs, like, checking in birdhouses as if it's, like, somehow magically in there. Fifth hour comes. I just lose all hope. Like, I don't even care. Like, I, I just literally, I was like, you know what? I don't care anymore. I actually wanted to just buy a bike. I don't even care about my car. I actually want to go green, so can't lose your bike in the woods. I don't care. Literally the next day, uh, one of my other friends, Jen, actually miraculously found my keys at Little Mulberry Park on Hole 16, gives me a call and says, hey man, do you, do you believe in Jehovah Jireh? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I guess, <laughs> yeah. It's not the question I was expecting at 9.30 in the morning. And finds my keys and literally looking hindsight, I'm like, okay, it's not a big deal. Even if I did lose my keys, I would just find a, a different way. I, I would just find a way for a dealership to make a new one or whatever. The process is a little bit strenuous, but it's really not that big of a deal. And oftentimes, I think in stressful moments, we often make things a bigger deal. How many, how many like, have been in moments where like, okay, the problem wasn't super huge, but your stress made it in a, a bigger deal. Like you amplify the problem. Okay, yeah, exactly. So I'm gonna tell you a story. Okay, this happened in high school. And I'm gonna give you the perspective of uh, Caitlin and I'm also gonna give you the perspective of Nick. Okay, you, I'm gonna ask what person you relate to the most. So this happened when I was in high school. And this uh, was on a Saturday night. I was just driving a car with some friends and we passed our high school. And there was an old sketchy truck that was sitting in the parking lot. And so my friend Caitlin thought it'd be a hilarious idea if we pretended to be undercover cops. So she pulls into the back of the parking lot, turns off her headlights, and just starts giggling. I'm like, this isn't funny. <laughs> and he then drives away. He goes down a side street. And at this point, you know, we start to follow them. You know, we have our brights on now. I mean, they think, I mean, the dude, you can see him in his rearview mirror. He's like freaking out. He's got his hands on 10 and 2, like, <laughs> and he's going 25 miles an hour. And then all of a sudden, after about a good 30 seconds of following him down the street, he swerves into the middle of the road, gets out of his car, and just does like this aggressive like gangster walk towards our car. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I've never seen this in Wisconsin. Like, that, that's not a thing. We don't do that. And she starts freaking out. She starts losing her mind. She starts stressing out. And she went from giggling one second to absolutely stressing out. And she, didn't, she just put her car in reverse. She didn't look behind her. She didn't care if there was a sign or a car. She just like clenched the wheel and just goes, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. In the meanwhile, a lot like my friend Caitlin, there's this other friend who's sitting in the passenger seat, starts having an anxiety attack and starts hyperventilating. And she is absolutely stressing out. They literally could not handle the pressure of the situation. Okay, how many of you guys identify to Caitlin? Like, that would be you. If stress came, you're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I cannot handle it. Some of you are like that. Some of you don't want to admit it. You're like, no, nah, I'm tough. Like, I can do it. <laughs> now, here's my other friend. This is Nick. Now, in the meantime, while they're both stressing out, Nick is sitting in the back seat. Literally, it just <laughs> it made me laugh so much because it was a like total opposite spectrum. He's in the back seat going... Guys, it's fine. <laughs> it's okay. Just relax. It's not a big deal. Such a calm demeanor, such a calm voice. And what I just noticed in that situation is just so funny because, I mean, as they drove off, we literally never saw them 
again at all. And it just made me think that either we're, we're just really one of those two people, aren't we not? That like crisis moments are often really, really stressful, but they're also very, very short. And when it drags on a little longer, it's not that the crisis dragged on longer, it's just that the stress dragged on within you. And so now your external crisis is gone, your pressure, but you have created an internal crisis within you, your stress, which you feel like everybody else feels except for you. And so now you, you have to battle with what's going on around you and what's going on in, with, uh, within you. And so you either are like Caitlin or you're like Nick. You're like Caitlin and you go around in life like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Or you're like Nick and you're like, well, dude, it's fine, man. It's not a big deal. And here's the point. Neither are helpful. Because you often dismiss other people's pressure and you talk about how your life is so stressful. And I think one of the hardest things that our generation is going to have to face is that you have to learn to acknowledge your pressure without babysitting your stress. You have to learn how to acknowledge the pressure that's going on around you without babysitting the stress that's within you. If there's one thing that'll continue to take you out, it'll be the paper tiger of stress and pressure. And we often give it a platform that it doesn't deserve. I mean, think about it. How many people do you know that have a big calling, that have a big dream, big goals, aspirations, but due to stress and pressure, it just took them out? How many people know uh, couples that had so much potential, but due to stress and pressure, they just, they just couldn't make it? Okay, let's bring it more to home. How many of you know uh, marriages that started out so great and so happy, but due to stress and pressure, the only way out for them was divorce? How many of you? God has placed a big calling on your life, dreams and visions within you. He's given you a specific anointing and just big dreams, but due to stress and pressure, you just, I'm gonna, hey, I'm gonna sit on the sidelines where it's safe. And you get frustrated while everybody else advances the kingdom of God in their life and they fulfill the calling that God had on their life. Well, I just let stress and pressure just take control of my life. I think this is really deep within us. And so uh, tonight, I'm gonna talk about uh, stress and pressure. Obviously, we're gonna go over this power and this stronghold that really doesn't have a lot of power if we don't give it too much credit. And I think, um, I think you know where I'm going with this. And I wanna uh, really dive into 2 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 29. Okay, and as you're turning there, I wanna talk a little bit about what's going on uh, in this passage. And, and during this time, and if you don't have a Bible, it'll be up on the screen behind us as well. But during this time, there's actually a rebellion going on and they were accusing Paul of being two-faced and worldly. So Paul's accusers and opponents said that they had a closer relationship uh, that, with Christ than he did. And this rebellion was serious enough that it actually forced Paul into a corner to somewhat defend himself. So he's basically like, dude, you guys are testing my credentials. You're testing my genuineness. And so he goes on to say this, this list. He says, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. Come at me, bro. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked besides everything else, as if that wasn't enough. I face daily the pressure 
I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. So all of these things are happening to Paul from someone or somewhere. I mean, look at his verbiage. He says, I'm in, in danger from, I was pelted with, I received from the Jews, the 40 lashes minus one. So all of these things are coming to Paul from someone or somewhere. That's pressure. That is pressure. And you're probably, what's the difference? What's the difference between stress and pressure? And I'm gonna throw up this diagram up on the screen behind me. And stress is something that is, that, that's in you. It's something internal. It's something that you feel. It's something that you experience. It's also something that you can control. Stress is something that you're able to control. It's something that you're able to manage. When things happen around you, when things are going on in your life, you have the ability to not let stress overwhelm you. Okay, it's something personal. It's something that you feel. Nobody else can really feel the pain or the agony that you personally go through in stress. It's often created. When uh, pressure moments happen around you and chaos or crisis happens around you, it's often the stress that gets created within you. And pressure is external. Pressure is something that's around you. I mean, look at what Paul said. He said, I, I'm in danger from. These things are happening to me. I, have, I face daily the pressure for my concern for the churches. So I can't even control what is happening around me. I can't control it. It's just there. It's public. Everybody knows it. Everybody can acknowledge it. We all know that there's pressure in our lives. We all know that there's pressure that, it, that, it, that is in our midst. And it's just existing. It's just there. Pressure is never not there. <laughs> and oftentimes when you step into the next and new that God has for you, there's just new pressure. There's just new, there's just new pressure to it. Pressure happens to you. Stress happens inside you. And the tension we live in is that we have to learn, our, learn to raise our capacity for, stress, or for pressure and decrease our level of stress. I mean, we're at a point in our lives where we have the least amount of pressure possible. And I can't use the Enneagram or other personality test to really make an excuse for myself in terms of my, in terms of my self-leadership. I should really be able to lead myself well and to not let my stress become someone else's pressure. I cannot let my stress become someone else's pressure. And the more I let stress dominate my life, the more I let this, let this thing become a paper tiger. And I gave it way too much power. In this room, obviously we're all young adults. We're composed of uh, both millennials uh, and Gen Z. And so I want to throw up a couple stats literally about our uh, two generations. And so uh, this is actually comes from a study back in uh, actually 2018, so last year. And they uh, did a survey for 3,458 adults and uh, literally Gen Z and millennials are leading the way for feeling anxiety or nervousness within the last month due to stress in the preceding month. Both generations, I mean, Gen Z leading the way at 54%, more than half of the generation at some point in the month feels stress or pressure. They feel this anxiety and this, this worry and this nervousness due to stress in the last month. Both generations were literally above the national average at 34%. We are hands down the most stressed out generation to probably exist ever. Depression has spiked 33% in the last five years, 47% amongst millennials, and around 65% amongst adolescent girls. It's on track that by 2030, it will be the number one cause for loss of longevity in life. Members of Gen Z, people ages 15 to 21, reported the worst mental health of any generation, less than half, 45% of those in Gen Z reported excellent or very good mental health. And those that deemed that they didn't have good mental health, they said that their therapist or their counselor couldn't even help them with the stress that they were going through. 
Stress levels are high across generations. Millennials led the way at 5.7. We were the most stressed out generation. All these things are leading to rising suicide rates, increased levels of loneliness, increased levels of sexual harassment, family separation, giving higher risk to type 2 diabetes, to heart disease, stroke, osteoporosis, and Alzheimer's disease. It is a ripple effect. And now you have other paper tigers that you have to deal with because I didn't know what to do with the paper tiger of stress and pressure. I now have to battle anxiety and I have to battle these other mental illnesses. I now have to battle these other physical illnesses because I didn't know what to do with the stress and the pressure that I just so let dominate my life. Time Magazine puts it this way, just as concerning as the prevalence of stress was the struggle to manage it. In order to manage stress and not let it have power over you, you have to be able to acknowledge the pressure of what you're going through, but you also have to be able to acknowledge who God is in the midst of it. I mean, how how can you draw close to God just as you are if you're so far removed from who you are? How can you God just as you how can you come to God just as you are if you're so far removed from your own self? And I need to learn. I need to lean into God in moments of pressure so that I don't become defeated by my own stress. I need to lean into God in moments of pressure so that way I don't become defeated by my own stress. In order to diminish this paper tiger, we have to learn how to embrace weakness and allow pain. The only thing that stress and pressure have in common is that it exposes weakness and it produces pain. It exposes weakness and it produces pain. I mean, look at what Paul said. He goes on in 2 Corinthians. This is now in chapter 12. We're gonna skip all the way there. And again, he's just continuing to go on. He's continuing to almost somewhat defend himself a little bit. And he says, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And we often plead like Paul, and we just tell God, would you take it away? God, would you take away this this, this season of repeated bad news? God, would you take away this agony that I'm going through, this past month that I just, I feel like I've been living in hell. God, would you just take it away from me? And God's response to you is that my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weaknesses, in your hardships, in your difficulties, in your shortcomings, in your hard moments, because that's how God works. God operates in your weaknesses. You're able to see the strength and the power of God when you're at just your utter, utter low. In moments of weakness is where you see God's power the most. (laughs) It's more about God than it is about a paper tiger, (laughs) It's more about God's power within me than it is about the pressure around me. And God is far more concerned with your development than he is about your comfort. God is far more concerned about your development than he is about your comfort. In despair is where I learn dependence. So if I never experience pain, how would I ever be able to acknowledge and experience the power and the presence that God can bring? If I never needed to depend, I would never need God. If I never went through despair, I'd never know what the, how deep in prayer can go. I would never need God. That's how God works. God builds you by breaking you. God builds you by breaking you. 
Have you ever heard that phrase, uh, you know, God won't give you more than you can handle? Have you ever heard that phrase, you know, God won't give you more than you can handle? And uh, oftentimes I think that uh, that phrase is just really like Christian cop-out for not knowing how to deal with pain and not knowing how to deal with stress and pressure. And uh, I really do believe that this is kind of how God really begins to uh, build and, and, and work in people is that oftentimes uh, in life, you know, that, that you kind of have like, hey, here's some really good moments in life. I think I'm winning. I'm, I'm going far in life. And then you hit a spot where you hit like a breaking, a breaking point. And you hit like a, a spot where like, man, failure comes or God's calling you next to new and then there's just new complexities to life and, and you go through the season. And I think to, to say that statement is true, to say that, uh, you know, God, give, God won't give you more than you can handle. I don't know that you could really necessarily read about uh, even what Jesus went through, what David went through or what Paul went through. I mean, Jesus, I, I mean, think about it. If, if he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and nearly sweating drops of blood and died a, a gruesome death on the cross, I, I shouldn't be surprised when a little bit of pain happens in my life either. If Paul, literally God sent a messenger of Satan, God allowed it. God allowed a messenger of Satan to have a thorn in his flesh. You're like, well, is it a physical thorn? Is it, is it metaphorical? I mean, I mean, people can argue and go both ways. Either way, what the point is, is that Paul can't do it on his own. Paul needs God's grace. And it's in his weaknesses is where he was made strong. It's the very thing that they try to debunk Paul with. We say, Paul, we see weakness in you. You're not a true apostle. You're not a true follower. And Paul's saying the exact opposite. He said, no, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And we often go from moments of I can to I can't to God can. I can't. <laughs> I can. I, I can do this on my own. I can, do, I, can, I can do life on my own. I can follow Jesus. I really don't need God. I really don't need you. And then you hit a breaking point in life, and now you're going to be in this season. I mean, think about, think about David. Supposed to be the appointed king. I mean, he's supposed to be the appointed king, and then he goes through what? <laughs> cave, 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 running, running, running. Everyone hates me. Everyone's trying to kill me. I'm depressed. I mean, look through some of the Psalms. There's out of agony, out of just a deep despair. Think about Moses, guy who's supposed to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, had this high authority and kills a guy, and then now is in the wilderness for 40 years. No one hears about him. And then God appears to him in a burning bush moment. I wonder what God did in those 40 years. Don't you? I mean, think about it for, for Joseph. Man, I have all this favor on my life. Man, I got this vision. His brothers are like, dude, you suck. Let's get rid of him. And they throw him out and they lie to his dad. Gets betrayed by his own family members. Gets put in prison. Man, I wonder what happens here. This season doesn't mean that there's no joy. It just means that it's obscurity and it means that you realize that I can't do it on my own. You realize that I cannot go through this life on my own. That's how God works. God builds you by breaking you. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. <laughs> I delight in hardships. I delight in, in persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So I thank God that I'm going through the hardest season of my life. I thank God that my anxiety is bigger than I can control. I thank God that my depression is a little bit more than I can handle. I just so thank God that he gives me more than I can handle so that way I can experience his grace more than I could have imagined. I just so thank God for those moments. I so thank God for those seasons. And as I told you before, I was excited to talk about, uh, obviously this, this has been a big uh, learning 
and at a growth point in my residency. And I, and I hit a breaking point. I, I hit a spot where um, I just couldn't do it on my own. And uh, I, I know that there, there always comes a time where you, you go through hard seasons in life and you go through some difficulties. And uh, I just began to, uh, you know, at this point I was just overwhelmed with uh, stress and anxiety. And, you know, when you, when you talk about next and new, it's, it's not always like fun. <laughs> next and new doesn't mean that this is always fun. I think there's hard moments in it. And I got to a spot where I was like, okay, I feel like I'm at a, you know, I, I've reached the promised land or whatever. And, and I just I asked this question. I was like, what, what do you do when the promised land isn't so promising? What do you do when the promised land isn't so promising? And you get to a spot where uh, you thought that how it was going to play out didn't. And now you're having to deal with all this stress and this pressure. And you don't know how to manage it. You don't know how to control it. You don't know uh, what to do. You don't, you don't know what's next to new. And I got to a point in, in, a, in a point in life where I was just so overwhelmed by the stress. I was so overwhelmed by uh, figuring out what's next to new. I was so overwhelmed by about calling. And this is in the meantime where C12 was in transition. And uh, I remember just sitting down with one of my mentors. And, uh, you know, he just... Begin. He's one of those guys that's like, he's going he's gonna to be you know, on your side. He's just not always going to pick your side. And uh, he was like, man, Alex, I, I, I understand what you're going through. Um, and, and just because you're in a winter season doesn't mean that your ministry needs to be either. He said, I'm not, I'm not going to dismiss what you're going through, but I'm not going to coddle you either. And I was like, thank you, kind of. It was like some of the most freeing and frustrating words because I had no idea what to do with it. But I think really in that moment, I understood really how God works and how he reveals his heart for people is that oftentimes we get really, really disappointed at God for him not using us. We get disappointed at God not be allowed to do, to do new things through us when really God has to do things in you first. And you have to come to a spot where your obedience to God allows him to break you because that's how God works. God builds you by breaking you. And we often get really disappointed even though our obedience may not always line up to get to a spot where, hey, God, you can break me. And then we, and we just get so defeated and we get so frustrated. And I believe that there's people in this room who God has given you dreams. God has given you big goals and visions, and God has put so much on your life, but due to stress and pressure, you, you just never go anywhere with it. God has given you so many dreams and so many visions. God has called you maybe into full-time ministry. God has wanted you to play a bigger part in C12. God has been wanting you... Uh, you know, to, to be a part of the bigger vision of 12 Stone Church, of transforming families, souls, and communities. God has given you a very unique calling, a very unique goal, a very unique vision. And, we, and really in private, we just abort it and no one knows about it. That's too hard. That's too stressful. That's, that's going to bring too much pressure. So God, no. And we get to a spot where we get so mad at God, even though, man, if I sit with God long enough, maybe I told him no too many times. And so often we live and we settle ourselves for the status quo that, hey, just come to C12. Just carry the same unresolved stress that you've been going, going through. Carry the same unresolved pressure that you've been dealing with. Just come to C12 so that way you can feel better. And we, and we, just, we use this verbiage and we say, I mean, I just want to get fed. I just, I just want to get fed so I can feel better. And we instead, now we have two generations that have the worst mental health ever and it's all due to, I think, uh, part of our generations being very spiritual anorexic because we think that it's the pastor's job to feed us, to make us feel better about our stress, when in fact, I think God wants you to come to a fact that, hey, you know what? I'm old enough. I'm an adult. I should feed myself and ask God for some, for some spiritual grit. 
because I will not let stress overcome me. I will not let the pressure around me overwhelm me. I will not let this thing have power and control over my life. I will not give it too much credit. And oftentimes we just settle for, for just way too less. And we just come and just man, keep carrying that same problem that you had two years ago. Keep carrying that same problem, that same stressful thing inside you that you've been carrying over and over and over again. And I think the question you gotta ask is, do I wanna feel better or do I wanna get better? If I wanna feel better, I'll go ahead and I can just let stress and pressure continue to dominate my life because then I can just find different ways to, 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 to find little moments of freedom and to find little moments of comfort. But if I can allow God and for me to, to get better, I'll embrace exactly what Paul talked about. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So I thank God for the hard moments. I thank God for the hard seasons because that's how God works. That's how God builds things in you. And so you're probably thinking like, okay, yeah, I'm going through all this stress, going through all this pressure and what the heck, how, how do I even, what do I even do with it? I have no idea what to do with it. And oftentimes we can't cling to these truths that God's trying to whisper to us because we're not close enough to God to allow him to speak into our life. I can't hear God if I'm not near God. Isn't that true? I can't hear God if I'm not near God. And the more honest I was with God in moments like that, the more free I was to be myself. And David did the same exact thing. He says this in Psalm 142, and maybe this has this gotta be your psalm tonight. Maybe this has to be your cry. This has gotta be something that, that you're gonna cling to. This is how you manage stress, how you do exactly what David did. This is a psalm that he prayed in the cave <laughs> as he's like running from people. As he's in, and, and a lot of even theologians would say that David wrestled a lot of depression and despair. <laughs> and he says this, he says, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him, I tell my trouble. Basically saying, hey, here's my stress. Here's my pressure. <laughs> I hope you listen to me. I hope you hear my cry. And when my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. In the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. Look and see, there is no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. I cry to the Lord, I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me for, from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Some in this room, you just need to cry out to God in a more desperate way. And maybe there's a stress and this pressure that you're just so having a hard time managing because maybe I just haven't cried out to God like I should. David learned this truth. You handle stress better the more you cry out to God in desperate measure. You handle stress better the more you cry out to God in desperate measure. Because what I'm going through is too much to bear. School's not going well for me. My internal struggles and pressures are just way too much for me to handle. And that all this unresolved stress might mean all this unaddressed struggle with God. You know, I'm gonna invite the band to come on up. And, um, and even in this, you might be thinking, you're like, okay, yeah, I get this psalm, I get, I get what David prayed. I, I, we can all acknowledge that there's stress and that there's pressure uh, in my life. And I think everybody has the natural tendency, you either fight or you flight. 
and you, and, and I think when it comes to us, I think personally, I think that you either, you fight with God and you run from people or you run from God and you fight with people. And what I mean by that is that you fight with God. I'm just so mad. Why would you allow all this pressure in my life? Why would you allow it to exist? Why, why is this going on around me? And then you run from people because in moments of hard seasons, you often isolate yourself. And you get so frustrated at God that you run away from people and you isolate yourself in this little box and Satan has you right where he wants you. Or you just run from God and you fight with people. If I spend time with God long enough, I know that he'll reveal some things in me that I need to work on. I know that he's gonna be there. He's gonna teach me things that I don't really necessarily wanna know. And I don't really wanna know the truth about who I am. I don't know what a truth about myself. And so I'm gonna run from God, but then I'm also gonna fight with people because they can't give me the answers that I need. And oftentimes you, we like to sit down and have coffee with people and we like to get an answer in a one-on-one -on -one with them instead of just being in a one-on-one -on -one with God and having peace. It's God's peace that surpasses all understanding. But maybe you don't know that peace because you haven't given up your right to understand it. You haven't given up your right to just try to control and manage and all the pressures that life brings and you're trying to manipulate everything that it just so manipulates you. I mean, what has God given you? God has given you his Holy Spirit. God has given you the Holy Spirit in, in times where, where you get to cry out to him. In Romans, it says that when you feel like you just can't even pray and just the groanings, the inner groanings, the Spirit intercedes on your behalf. The Holy Spirit is known as the comforter. The Holy Spirit is known as the teacher. And the Holy Spirit wants to intervene in those hard moments. God has also given you his word. <laughs> that his word, it's a promise to you that what God said, it will come to pass that in James 4, 8, when you draw near to God, God will draw near to you. What Paul said in Philippians 4, 6, that don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, give all your petitions and requests to God. Even what Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own, and you get to cling to these truths. You get to cling to the word of God that he has just so given you. And sometimes I'm like, man, guy, why, 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 why don't you speak? Say something, do something. And I get so frustrated at God that he won't give me a word when I just can't read his written one. He's given you the Holy Spirit. He's given you his word. He's also given you community. People to do it with. <laughs> and there's probably some of your best friends are in this room and there's things that you're stressed out about and there's things that you just so can't control anymore. And maybe tonight you just need to pull them aside and just say, hey, I just can't do this on my own. I cannot do this on my own. I cannot go through this hard season anymore. I need somebody. I need a community. I need people that I can do it with. And maybe to take it more personally, what is good for your soul? What do you need to do in the next week? Maybe you just need to spend time with God, extended time with God, more solitude. I would write this question down. I would write, what is your Achilles heel? What is your Achilles heel? What is the one thing that would just take you out? What is the one thing that would just continue to just destroy you? That when new pressures come and new complexities are there, it's the one thing that would just continue to unravel you. And then you just let stress dominate your life and say, hey, well, this paper tiger now has control over my life. What is that one thing that's within you that would just so unravel you? And I believe God wants to do more in you but God builds you by breaking you. 
And you have to allow, you have to embrace the pain and embrace the weakness that comes with it. So I want you to stand. I want to pray for you. And as I pray for you, I just want you to bow your head, close your eyes, and I just want you to hold out your hands. I just want you to receive the presence of God. And I just want to pray for you. I want to pray that you would experience uh, God's presence like never before. That it's okay to go through some stress. It's okay. That's natural. Stress in you. That's just very, very natural. And I pray that God would meet you right where you're at. And so, Father... God, we just come before you. Father, we're all in different stages of life. I don't think any of us are exempt from stress and pressure. Whether we work at 12 Stone or we don't, whether we work somewhere in the community, whether we go to school, Father, none of us literally are exempt from knowing how to just manage the stress that's within me and acknowledging the pressure that's around me. And you, Jesus, you said that that your burden is easy and your your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And so, Father, I pray that people would embrace that people would cling on to that truth. God, Pharisees made it so hard, made it so difficult, they made it so complex. And God, in moments where we wanna fight and in moments where we wanna run, Father, I pray that we would embrace, it's not even a new posture, it's just the posture. It's the posture of yielding. It's the posture of embracing. It's the posture of just praying and crying out to you, saying, God, I cannot do it. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I defeat the stress that's within me. This is how I defeat the stronghold that I just so let dominate my life is that I pray and that I worship and that I cry out to you. And just as David did in Psalm 142, Father, I pray that we would do that tonight. I pray that we would do that in this moment. We would acknowledge what this is the pressure that's going on in our life, but God, in the midst of it, let's not babysit our stress either. Let's not give stress and pressure too much power, too much credit, because God, at the end of the day, it is just a paper tiger. It has no power, has no authority. So Father, I pray for those, God, that are dealing with just anxiety and depression, and they have that paper tiger, and it just so feeds the other of, of stress and pressure, and it just amplifies their problem even more. I pray for those, God, who have eating disorders. God, I pray for those, Father, who are just just so overwhelmed with depression. Father, who don't know the worth about themselves. I pray, God, that you would just reveal, God, you would speak truths in this moment. Oh, God, remind us who you are. And as we worship you, God, may you speak to our soul. This is how we fight. This is how we arm ourselves. This is not a physical battle. This is a spiritual fight. So I pray, God, that people would embrace the shield of faith, the sword, which is the spirit of God, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, and the breastplate of righteousness. God, this is how we arm ourselves. This is how we kick down those Goliaths, how we kick down those strongholds. It's not by what I can do, but it's by what you can do. So, Father, I just pray you'd have your way. God, you speak to people in such an intimate way. Father, I pray this in your name. Amen.